This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. John Justrinsky. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. We have reached the final hour. It's 11.03 here on this Thursday evening. It's JJ After Dark. John Justrinsky. We are keeping you company right here on The Fan. And all in all, pretty darn good day out in Jetland. As they introduce their new head coach, Robert Sala, they talk about their new power structure and to shed some insight on the activities at a foreign park, to talk some Jeff football. We'll even get his thoughts on these two title games. We'll even get his thoughts on Deshaun Watson and maybe even a little Star Wars too. My main man, Connor Hughes, the athletic, SNY, man of many talents. Connor, my boy, how we doing? I'm doing well, JJ. How you doing, man? Connor, what's happening? Listen, busy day for you. You find out last week Robert Sala is the head coach. We talked about him a couple weeks back when we were going through candidates. Um, What was your overall takeaway from what you heard today? To me, a guy who is very intense and is a little bit of a crazy man on the sideline, which I love, he seemed very articulate. He seemed well-spoken. He seemed like he is going to be a player's coach through and through. And I, for one, thought there was a whole lot to like about Robert Sala. And I get it. It's a press conference. You don't want to go nuts. But I thought it was a really good first day. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. And I think it's for the reason that you said. Because when you see the, the highlights of Robert Sala on the sideline, when, when you hear his players talk about him, I mean, the, the first thing that they always say is, is passion and intensity. and you know, you see that that fourth down goal line stop that his 49ers defense had. I, I think it was last year, and and you know the head thought headset falling off his head, and he's screaming, and and his big bald head's red with with rage. And you know, when you have a coach like that, and and there there have been plenty around the NFL. What you wonder is is that passion and is that tested uh, intensity to some point a detriment to, to him as a coach because, you know, can he, can he turn it on and off? Because you love that passion, you love that intensity, but you can't let it impact your, your game day decisions. And, and I think what we saw from, from Sala today when we got a chance to talk to him is, is that it is a, a weapon in his disposal, but, but it's not something that he's going to make rash decisions and, and uh, ridiculous calls just because he gets you know caught up in the heat of the moment. I mean, he is intense. He is passionate. That's what his players are going to love about him. But but it's not an act. It's not fake. I mean, he's a he's a, a guy that is going to. Uh, I think the quote that's been out there for a while is players want to play for him and coaches want to coach with him. And 
I think you saw why today. Yeah, and to me, Connor, the biggest takeaway I got from his you know, meeting with the media, if you will, is the quote he made about wanting to see players get paid. Like, yeah. you normally don't hear that from a coach in an introductory presser. And I think when you look at some of the bad blood in the past, and listen, Darrell Rivas, Jamal Adams, I'm not going to rehash those situations. What's over is over. What's done is done. But I, I think hearing a coach talk like that, man, that's got to be music to the ears of anybody in that Jet locker room. And I think that's got to be some great, you know, recruiting tool when a Jet's got all this salary cap space and they're trying to sign players in the offseason. Yeah, and, and I'm sure right after that press conference, Joe Douglas was probably like, yeah, but, but not too, too much. Like, yeah, we'll pay him, but, but not too, too much. Because, I mean, you don't want to be giving everyone, like, absurd amount. But, no, I mean, you, you're, you're right. That, that is something that players are going to want to hear, and it's going to be a good relationship. And, you know, when, when I listen to him talk and, and you listen to some of the players, I mean, you, you kind of got to find – and it's, it's a challenging line to find for a lot of guys because Salah, I think, kind of falls under that player's coach type guy. But, but you don't want to become a, a player's coach to the extent of, of Todd Bowles where, you know, guys kind of walked over him a little bit, you know, where, where there's discipline issues and when guys maybe, you know, kind of can be a little aloof and where it's, oh, you know, he's a, he's a player's coach. Oh, he's doing what we want. You'll have the days off. It's fine. You know, we don't have to go 100%. But, you also don't want to be the, the super crazy disciplinarian like Tom Coughlin was early in his career. You know, you got to find that line. And I think that, that Salah, for a guy who hasn't played in the NFL, I, I think that he showed at least today why his players love him and why his players respect him because he is one of them. He's, he's on their level. But it's almost like he goes to, goes to these players almost like a father figure in terms of you want to make your father proud. You know, you want to earn the respect of your dad. You know, that kind of a thing. And I think you saw that, where he's a guy that clearly is somebody the players are going to respect. He's going to be somebody the players love to play for. But there is the discipline aspect in there as well, where where guys aren't going to walk over this guy. Connor, what was your takeaway when it comes to the Steph hirings for Robert Sala? I mean, the fact that he was able to get LaFleur out of San Francisco, I think is big. I mean, listen, he's working on the Kyle Shanahan, obviously has that family lineage, um, and I'm actually A-OK with the fact that Robert Sala is not calling the defensive signals. To me, if he's going to be the head coach, I want him to delegate. I want him to be that CEO, 1 through 53. In general, though, what was your takeaway from some of the early hirings on this staff? Yeah, I, I agree. The, the Him not calling the defensive plays is, is a positive step. Now, it's going to be a lot more than just that because Todd Bowles didn't call the defensive players for the majority of his tenure with the Jets and, until kind of the very end. And, and obviously that didn't work out too well. And, and, you know, he said, you know, first year he was more defense. He tried to yeah, you know, get more involved in offensive, but you know, it, it takes more than just giving up play calling to do it, but it's, a, it's definitely a, a step in the right direction. But um, that defense is, is definitely still going to be his defense in terms of it's going to be the scheme that, that he ran in San Francisco. You're going to see a, a jet defense that is now 4-3, not 3-4, which is going to be the first time in, in a very long time that we can say that. And then obviously the one I think that everyone's going to be excited about is, is Michael Floor because he is going to bring that Kyle Shanahan offense with him to New York. And, and that's a, a very good thing because that offense is, is one of the most challenging to defend, you know, in, in its most basic layman's terms, it's a, it's a wide zone scheme, but it is so much more complicated and it's so much more diverse than that. And, you know, I made some calls to, to people that have game planned against Shanahan and, and, uh, and gone against it. And they've kind of 
been tasked with diagnosing that so that their teams can go against it. And the one thing that it was relayed to me is you're going to see a lot of a lot of motions. You're going to see a lot of guys moving pre-snap, uh, but but you're going to see a lot of 21 personnel or, or trying to get in 21 personnel, and you're going to see receivers or quarterbacks that are throwing into windows and receivers that are making the catch and then running with it after the catch and all that kinds of stuff. But I think the one thing that was so fascinating to me, I wrote a story on this. It's actually up in The Athletic now. But the one thing that was really fascinating that was told to me is that what makes Shanahan so special and that scheme so special is that he's able to dictate what a defense gives him. You know, so when he's calling plays, it's not, okay, the defense is in this personnel, I'm going to call this play, or if they're in this personnel, I'm going to call it that play. No, the way that he lines his guys up and the things that he's able to do pre-snap, he can pretty much choose what defensive front he's going to see, and then the defense is playing to him. It's not the other way around. And I think that's going to be fascinating to see play out. Uh, and obviously, LaFleur, who's considered, he's 34, he's considered one of the younger up-and-coming offensive minds in the league. Uh, and for, for the Jets to get him, I know they were very excited about it, and it's going to be fun to see how this offense looks when, uh, aside from 2015, we really haven't seen a dynamic Jets offense in quite some time. Yeah, you ain't kidding. We got Connor Hughes over at The Athletic talking all the ins and outs with the New York Jets as they introduced their new head coach, Robert Sala, here on Thursday. Okay, Connor, what do you make of the endorsement of Sam Donald? I'm not reading too much into it. They're clearly not going to throw him under the bus. Um, But did you come away hearing that, thinking, okay, I'm not going to be shocked now if Sam Donald's the quarterback in 2021? Because that was the sense I got. I I came out of that thinking that the Jets are very much undecided. I mean, because that was a a golden opportunity. I mean, look, the if, if the Jets were were a hundred percent fully committed in Sam Darnold, I I don't think it's a bad thing to come out and say Sam is going to be our quarterback because it gives a vote of confidence to Sam. Uh, it allows you now to get a jump start on what you're going to do in the NFL draft in terms of you know Joe Douglas. You know, if the rest of the league knows the Jets are not taking a quarterback. That means that other players or other teams that are interested in getting a quarterback are going to start calling Joe Douglas and saying, hey, we want to get to number two. Hey, we want to get to number two. What can we give you to get up to number two so we can take the quarterback? I mean, it'll open up that. It can change how you approach free agency. It can change how, obviously, I said you can approach the draft. So uh, it would have been fine if, if Sala came out and said, look, I believe Sam Darnold's a franchise quarterback. I want Sam Darnold to be my franchise quarterback coming going into 2021. In my opinion, while things can change, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod towards a potential Deshaun Watson trade, uh, while things can change, the game plan right now is to have Sam as our starting quarterback. And and it would have been fine if he came out there and said it. When he sings the praises of Sam, and then when he's asked directly, will he be your quarterback, he says, it's too early for us to talk about that. I don't know. It wouldn't do anyone any favors if we made that comment now. It's going to take time. we got to analyze it. we got to, we got to uh, break down the film and see what we want to do. Basically what it's saying is that the Jets don't know what they want to do yet, that there are traits that they like in Sam Darnold, but they need to evaluate Zach Wilson. They need to evaluate Justin Fields, and then they need to decide what they want to do. And, and ultimately, J.J., what I think is going to, this is going to have to happen here is, is Joe Douglas and his uh, college scouting staff are going to have to look at Wilson. They're going to have to look at Fields, and they're going to have to really identify what they think these two guys are. If they believe one or both are franchise quarterbacks, then you draft one, and you trade away Sam Darnold. If they have legitimate concern and, and there's legitimate pause in that they think that there is more risk or there is uh, serious downside in drafting one of them in terms of the bust factor coming into play, then trade back or, trick or take Sewell 
or trade or take Smith, Devonta Smith, or take uh, Jamar Chase, do something like that, and run it back with Sam Darnold. But if they evaluate this and they think that that Fields is is the perfect quarterback, or he's an ideal quarterback, or he can be a franchise quarterback, then draft him. And, and when I was making calls about this offense that Lafleur is going to run. Uh, what it was basically told to me was that Sam can have success in it because ideally what you have in a quarterback or, or what you have in a quarterback that can successfully run this scheme is somebody that can get out of the pocket and move, that can play on the run, that can throw on the run, that's comfortable making plays a little bit off script, that's comfortable when uh, maybe he doesn't have to make too many reads and he's thrown into windows. And that should benefit Sam. But when I asked uh, uh, one of the, the sources that I was talking to about this, you know, what can take the Shanahan scheme to the next level? He said it's a player that is as effective in drop-back passing as he is on the move, and it's somebody that can stretch the field and be aggressive. And, and when I was hearing that, the first name that came to my mind was Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson has the ability to move like Manziel and, and Russell Wilson a little bit where he moves around in the pocket. He's not necessarily fast, but he's mobile. Uh, he's really good on the run. He's deadly accurate, and he has an absolute rocket attached to his right arm. And, and the more that people talk to me about Shanahan's offense, the more I just saw uh, Wilson, Wilson within it. Connor, I'm sure you understand this full well. I've been having a lot of fun with this Deshaun Watson stuff over the last few days. He's hanging at the Barclays Center. He's hanging <laughs> in my neighborhood in Brooklyn going to a car show. Um, he's liking pictures on Instagram of newspapers with him in a New York Jet uniform. Yep. Listen, it's very early in the process. I'm still very skeptical on the idea that he's actually going to get traded by the Houston Texans. Let's start here. Connor. Where do you stand right now, gut feel? 50%, 70%, 90%, 30% that Deshaun Watson is traded. Where are you exactly when it comes to that at this point? Ah, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, I, I find it he, – he's a 25-, 26-year-old, bona fide, no-doubt franchise quarterback in the prime of his career, potentially one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Guys like this, uh, never available. Never. Correct. Never. And and there's a reason for that. It's because when you get one of them, you do everything you can to let it go. And, and in my opinion, for the Texans to trade Watson, it will have meant they had exhausted any and all opportunities to, to, to repair this. And even then, I find it hard to believe they give up because – they have him under contract. If he doesn't show up, they can find. I know he doesn't want to be there. He does control some of this, but I just, I, I can't. I don't. My con. And this isn't per source. This isn't from call. This is just my own common sense. I just, I, I don't know why the Texans would let him go. I just don't. So in my opinion, maybe it's like a, a twenty percent chance he gets traded or a thirty percent chance he gets traded, and then when it comes to, to okay, he's being traded or or they're shopping him, it's it's well. Will the Jets make the move, right? And and in my opinion, JJ, it, it, there's no price that is too high to pay for this. I mean, if, if I agree. the Jets actually, if, if the Jets or any team actually got the Texans to agree to a trade to send them to Sean Watson, you didn't pay enough because there's no price that that's enough for a guy like this. I mean, you 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 don't three first round picks, four first round picks. It doesn't matter. I mean, this guy is that good and and. If you can get to the negotiating table and you can get them to agree to a trade, awesome. And the Jets should do everything they possibly can to acquire Deshaun Watson if he is, in fact, on the trade block. The X factor to this whole equation is that no trade clause that's in his contract. And, and if this was just a – there was no no trade clause in that for Watson. And this was just, okay, whoever can make the best 
offers the team that's going to get Deshaun Watson. Well, the Jets are, are right in the front of that line because of the draft picks, the, their salary cap space where they can absorb his contract, all that fun stuff. But when Watson has that no trade clause, it gives him a chunk of the power. It, it gives him a, a large say in this. And I just, the thing that I struggle with is as much as the Jets will want Deshaun Watson, I don't know why Deshaun Watson would want the Jets when presented with the alternatives. And the thing I go back to, J.J., and I don't know if you've seen this clip, but it's from Week 17, and it's, it's J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson walking off the field. And, and Watson, uh, Watt has his arm around Watson's shoulder, and he basically apologizes to Watson for, for the Texans wasting a year of his prime and, and making him go through a 4-12 and season, which is, I think, what they finished. And with the Jets, they are not a quarterback away. You know, they're, they're not. I mean, they have a chance to turn this around relatively quickly because of the number of picks they have in the cap space, but they would be giving up those picks in order to go and get Deshaun Watson. And that's not a reason why the Jets shouldn't pursue Watson. That's a reason why Watson wouldn't necessarily want to come to the Jets because he looks at it and realizes that if he comes and he trades, yeah, he's going to get his money. Yeah, there will be a little bit additional endorsements in New York, but he's basically going to be throwing another one or two, one or two years of his prime away to hope that the Jets can eventually get to a place where the Miami Dolphins are. You know, your Dolphins are, are in a, a significantly better position than the Jets are right now. They're a 10 and 16. The Jets were 2 and 14 last year. So if Watson's presented with, okay, I can go play for Miami or I can play for the Jets, I mean, why would he pick the Jets? Well, what would he do? So it's kind of a two part equation, and, and it's, it's tough for me to even see Deshaun Watson getting traded. And then the second part is it's tough for considering there's going to be 20 something teams that are buying for him or, or in the discussion to try to trade for him. It's tough for me to see where the Jets become number one of 20, where, where he would want to play there over what some of the alternatives are going to be. Connor didn't hit on this, and it's the one other note that I think made some serious news in the Jet Presser. This idea of the hierarchy in the structure, where you have Robert Sala reporting to Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas reporting to owner. This is something a lot of people have been screaming about for a long time. How big of a deal is this, in your opinion? I've, I've been pretty vocal. I, I don't. You and me both, bro. Yeah, oh, like, you... like, like, I mean, think about it, dude. It's not like it's not like Joe Douglas is going to go Rambo and fire Sala like whenever he wants. I mean, in order for him to fire Sala. He's got to get the okay of Christopher and now Woody Johnson. Like he, it, it's, it, it's not. It's. I mean, this was like an old philosophy that was put in place by Woody Johnson because Woody Johnson wanted the coach and owner to both report to him. And and the Jets have had their problems over the last few years. But this structure is not why. I mean, it's, it's because the GM is now technically the coach's boss. No, I mean every move is going to have to be okayed by the owner. And and if the coach and GM are fighting again, well, it's going to be a bigger issue than who both are reporting to. So it, it's. It's fine. I mean, I think it's going to make fans happy. I think it's going to make Christopher Johnson's life a little easier in terms of now there's, you know, the, the coach is going to the GM and the GM to the owner and, and whatever. But no, in my opinion, it's, it's much ado about nothing. Like I said, I know fans really cared about this. I don't necessarily know why uh, the Jets had their issues. This was not the reason for their issues, but, but at least now they're probably more streamlined with what other teams are. Connor, I can't wait for these games this weekend. Um, Right now, what is the most appealing Super Bowl matchup to you? Um, the most appealing for I, I I like Josh Allen a lot, so I would I I would want selfishly to see Josh Allen in a Super Bowl. So to, to me, it, it doesn't you know Josh Allen against Tom Brady going for Ring Seven. I think would be fun, but from probably a more 
uh, game aspect, I would have to think it would be Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes, right? I mean, the, the, uh, Aaron Rodgers before Pat Mahomes, you could probably say Aaron Rodgers was the most physically gifted quarterback to ever play until, you know, Pat Mahomes walked into Andy Reid, you know, walked into Kansas City a couple of years ago. So uh, I think that would probably be an intriguing one. But what's the, do you know, I haven't, I've been so tied down with all this Jet stuff. Is Mahomes practicing? Like, does it look like he's. Uh, as far as I know, he's going to play, Connor. Um, okay. He was limited. He was full yesterday. I mean, oh, let's be honest, oh, dude. You know, you know it and I know it. He's playing on Sunday. Oh, if he if he had any full practice, I mean, he was going to be in there. In fact, if he's limited, I'm pretty sure that means he's cleared the concussion protocol. Unless he's practicing with that red jersey, I mean, no. Nah, if they listed him as full, that means he's cleared the protocol and he's he's good to go. So uh, he'll play. So I mean, I, I'm most intrigued of the two games. I'm most intrigued with that one with Buffalo, Kansas City. I, I really want to watch Buffalo. I mean, that's going to be a huge test for them. Uh, I do. It's going to be key because I don't think. Look, I mean, the Chiefs are going to score. They're going to get their points, and that Bills defense, I don't think, is elite by any stretch. Um, so it's going to be, can Josh Allen go, you know, pass for pass and score for score with Mahomes? And I don't necessarily know if he can. And then the other way, uh, I liked what the Bucks did to the Saints, but I think that was more Drew Brees not necessarily being a, a, a Drew Brees isn't what he was. And I think he kind of saw that come through. Uh, Green Bay in Green Bay. I mean, I, I don't think they'll, I know Tom Brady still has some magic and you never really want to bet against them, but I find it hard to see Green Bay not winning that game. And then obviously it's just uh, if Mahomes is healthy, probably Kansas City. And if you get a Rodgers uh, Mahomes Super Bowl, I think uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy watching that one. So you're riding with both home teams. You like Green Bay and you like Kansas City. I think that's who wins. But from a betting perspective, I mean, I don't know. If we're, we're talking that. I mean, I would probably go the. I would actually go like a money line with a Green Bay uh, uh, Buffalo bet and try to see if you can't just catch a little luck there. Because I've been. The spreads have been kind of funky, and and I've been I've been I've kind of I know what they're doing, man. These casinos don't build themselves, bro. You know. Yep, it's true, and you know what? True, I think that it's it's been extra tough to pick this stuff because there's no fans in the stands, or there's so very so there's no home field advantage. So it's it's really funky. Like it's a it's a we, I can't get a feel at all for the spreads, and maybe that's why there's been some games where I'm like, oh, this will definitely happen, and then it doesn't. And it's been so I'm like, oh, this is definitely. It. So, I mean, it's been weird. So. I've just been playing, trying to parlay some money, some money lines together, and I honestly like, I, I do like Green Bay. Cause I just don't see how I, I, I don't see how Tampa goes into Green Bay and wins that game. And then I would just kind of take the chance of Buffalo, where you get a little bit of dog points there, and, and see if you can't take advantage of that and, and make a you know a pretty pretty chunk of change off of it. My man Connor Hughes, check him out in the Athletic SNY, covering all things New York Jets. Connor, it's always a blast, man. Keep up the good work. We'll be watching. We'll be reading. We'll be uh, listening. I mean, all the variety of platforms, man. You're like you're the hardest working man in showbiz, bro. I love it. <laughs> and by the way, how is the Star Wars rewatch going? Oh, Have you enjoyed it? It's not, it's not a rewatch. It's a watch. I've never seen them before. Like, Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me, yeah. uh, You've never seen the Star Wars movies never. before? Never. I saw three. I thought, oh, this is news to me. See, I no, thought no. you were doing a rewatch, and maybe you remembered it as a little kid. I had no idea you had never seen any of these movies. No. Wow. No, the only one that I saw was in eighth grade. We took a, uh, a school trip to Hershey Park, and we watched the uh, episode three, the one where he becomes Darth Vader. We watched that one on the way uh, up and down to Hershey Park. So I've seen that one. None of the other ones I watched. You know, my dad wasn't a big Star Wars guy. My mom obviously wasn't a Star Wars guy, and, and I was more into, like, the superhero Batman, X-Men, that kind of thing growing up. That was like more my thing. I never got into Star Wars. So finally, uh, Tim McMaster, who does the podcast with me, was kind of convinced me. I was like, all right, you know what? They're all on Disney Plus now. I'm just going to dive in and, and watch them all. And I started with the Rogue One, went four, five, six, one, two, three. I finished seven, which I thought was pretty good, the, the new one. 
And now I'm like, I think I have like 45 minutes, an hour left of uh, episode eight. But that's, that's literally actually what I was watching before uh, before I hopped on this call with you. Oh, so I interrupted Star Wars. I Now I feel really bad. You know, normally I don't this feel was, so bad. Now I feel I'm bad. I'm not a huge fan of this eight. I'm not a huge fan of this. No, eight. it was not very good. Um, Was Empire Strikes Back the best one that you watched? That's five, right? That's episode five. Yes, that is the uh, the big confession. I am your father, by the yeah. way. So I was actually talking to Dennis uh, Wazak, who covers the Jets for the Associated Press. He was on me pretty good about this because I originally did not have that ranked very high. I actually had really wow. I would have yeah, given you crap for that too. But I would have given you crap for that too. Thought, the whole thing, though, man, is like I know, like everyone and their uncle knows who, like Dart, like the Luke, I am your father. Like yes. so that wasn't a reveal to me when I was watching. Ev- like everyone who has common knowledge knows like, Oh, well, Darth is Luke's father. So that wasn't a big reveal. And that's also what uh, Dennis explained. He was like, you know, that's the first time you see Yoda. So like, that's for a lot of people That's you find out the big, the big rev- uh, revelation of, of that's his father. And then also that's the first time you meet Yoda. When obviously when you know, just again, common knowledge, you know who Yoda is. He's in the Mandalorian now with baby Yoda, like all that stuff. So those two things, which were major, like game changing moments back then when this movie was made 40 something years ago, for me, I already knew them, so it kind of hurt it. So actually, when I'm done uh, episode nine, I'm going to go back and rewatch five with kind of like a new mindset of like I've never, I don't know these things, and and re-rank it. So that that's gonna that one currently on my Star Wars ranking is it's been removed and it's going to be added back in on on a rewatch for that one. Well, Connor, I like this, and I was right there with you with like Game of Thrones and the Avengers movies where I was behind the eight ball and I didn't see them all. Yep. And I'm so glad that I did. So you can now yep. cross off the bucket list Star Wars movies. So, you know, you're yep. an international man of mystery. You're a man of many <laughs> talents, bro. So got nothing to worry about. Connor, thanks again, man. Enjoy the movies, all right? Yeah, you too, man. I appreciate it. There you have it. How about that? Connor Hughes, who is a very well-spoken, a renaissance man in many ways, had never seen the Star Wars movies. That's wild. Now, listen, I have to be honest. Before last year... I'd never seen Game of Thrones. Never seen the show. And my sister gave me heat for it. Coworkers at SNY gave me heat for it. They're like, JJ, you haven't seen Game of Thrones? So, you know, I think last year we just said, all right, to hell with it. We're starting to binge. It was great. Did the same with the Avengers. Eric and Ron Kakama, Mike Fliegelman, they pushed me hard on that. They're like, you gotta watch these Avenger movies. And I did. Now, I still haven't watched Spider-Man, but I mean, I, I, I saw everything else start to finish. That is amazing. I cannot believe Connor did not see the Star Wars movies. So, I, better late than never. It's 11.28 here on this Thursday evening. It's JJ after Derek Johnson-Strensky. We're right here on The Fan. Get back aboard. Want to hear from you at 877-337-6666. And right now, you're just getting bad news if you're a Met Jeff fan. Uh, Morosi an hour ago telling you Bauer's unlikely. Kind of used telling you, Watson's unlikely. So, listen, somebody's got to be the bearer of bad news. That's the way it goes. We'll come right back. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 